Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey guys, what's up? Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. Thank you so much for tuning in with us for today's episode. And if you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. If you aren't already, we post weekly episodes here every single Wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it. And if you have a second, I would love for you to be able to review the podcast if you can. I love looking at your guys' reviews and seeing how I can improve the podcast for your enjoyment. I hope you all had a great weekend. I hope that everything is going good in your life right now. I know times are crazy, but I hope everything's going good. I've missed you guys. I haven't, I pre-recorded a lot of episodes and so this is the first time in almost a month that I'm sitting down and uh, talking to you guys again. So I missed you guys. I hope you guys are doing well and let's jump into another episode. So today we are talking about a man who has been named one of the most terrifying cannibal killers in all of history. This is one of those cases that the more and more I got into it, the more I couldn't believe it. Today we are talking about a man who is known as the celebrity cannibal. I'm going to be honest with you guys when I say that this case was a hard one to get through. You know, I usually have a strong stomach for this kind of stuff and I don't get too affected by the things that I read because after a while of doing this, you kind of become somewhat adjusted to hearing these things as awful as that sounds, but this one was a little bit different. Never have I ever felt physically sick from covering a case, but it happened this week. So with that being said, I wanted to put it out as a fair warning that we are going to be talking in detail about cannibalism. So if that isn't, if this is not the episode for you, I completely understand and I'll catch you in the next one. Now, before doing my research on this case, this was not a case that I had ever heard about before, partially I think because it's a case that was covered outside of the United States. So it is an international case. So if you're with me in that regard and have never heard about this case or you want to learn more about it, let's just jump right on into it. Issei Sagawa is a Japanese man who was born on April 26, 1949 in Kobe, Japan to his parents. Issei came from a relatively wealthy family. His father was a businessman who worked as the president of a company called Kurita Water Industries. 
Issei was born prematurely, and it was reported that when he was born, he was small enough to fit in the palm of his father's hand, and this is what allegedly caused him to have a smaller build as an adult. At full growth, Issei was about 5 feet tall, and he did have some health issues as well. Right after he was born, he developed a disease called enteritis, which is a condition that occurs when your small intestine becomes inflamed. So because of this, he received several injections of potassium and calcium. And even as he grew into adulthood, along with his height, Isai's hands and feet were also very small and his voice never fully dropped. So he was told often that he sounded more like what a female's voice would sound like. Due to his physical appearance, Asei has said that he wasn't the kind of man that most women would find attractive or that most women would desire. He was described growing up as more reserved. He kept to himself and was more on the quiet and shy side, but he was incredibly, incredibly intelligent. From a young age, Issei really got into reading and literature. He was more of a quiet kid and not very social, so he spent a lot of his time reading. Isai described his childhood as the best times of his life. He grew up with a brother and stated that both of his parents loved him deeply and raised him lovingly, surrounded by nature. After graduating high school, Isai went on to attend Waco University and then went on to complete his master's degree in English literature at Quonset University. At the age of 27, Isai moved to France to attend the University of, of Paris and got his PhD. Now, everything that I just told you about Issei's upbringing and his education seems relatively normal on the outside. It seems like he had a very good life. And this was the same way that it seemed to everybody else who Issei was surrounded with. However, no one had any idea what was really going on in Issei's mind all behind closed doors. Issei's cannibalistic desires started when he was in just the first grade after seeing a thigh of another male student. First graders usually don't even know what cannibalism is, so the fact that he was having these thoughts at such a young age is quite shocking. Issei has also admitted to participating in bestiality with his dog at a very young age. All throughout his life, in teenage years into adult years, Issei became hyper-focused and obsessed on finding the, quote, perfect woman. It was said that the reason he did this, and he said that the reason he did this, was partially because he had so many flaws in his own physical appearance that it made him grow an obsession with someone who was unflawed. Issei loved tall women of European descent. He was not really interested in any women at this time that were his own ethnicity. So before we get into the act that brought Issei his name of the celebrity cannibal, let's look back on the things that took place leading up to that event. Issei's first known attempt happened when he was 24 years old at Waco University located in Tokyo. Issei stalked a German woman and followed her home to her apartment. 
Isaiah said that his intention of breaking into her home was to cut off her flesh and then leave her home, not murdering her and hopefully being able to do it without waking her up. However, this plan was obviously unsuccessful when this German woman woke up from her sleep, saw Isaiah, pushed him to the ground and called the authorities right away. When authorities were called, Isaiah was arrested and charged with attempted rape. Now, Asayi hid from authorities what his real plan was, and the attempted rape charges were ultimately dropped when Asayi's father ended up paying a settlement to this woman. Once Asayi moved to France, he said that almost every night of his stay, he would, quote, bring a prostitute home and then try to shoot them. But for some reason, my fingers froze up and I couldn't pull the trigger, end quote. So now let's move on to what happened on June 11th, 1981 in Paris. Now this next series of events we are going to dive into is coming from the perspective of SAE himself. He has actually done an entire 30-minute interview that has about 16 million views on YouTube, so if you want to watch that after listening to this, you certainly can. I'm going to warn you again, though, the video is extremely graphic, and there are pictures on there that you probably won't be able to unsee once you see them, so just know that going into it. If you get squeamish easily, it probably isn't the best video for you to watch. So again, at this time, Asayi was studying at the University of Paris, more specifically the Sincere Institute. It was here that Asayi saw another woman who fit his profile. She was a tall, beautiful Northern European woman named Renee Hartveld. Renee was 5'10 and was a 25-year-old Dutch student. Essay and Renee ultimately met because they shared a class together, and Essay said that when he sat next to her in class, he fell in love with her instantly and could not stop thinking about her. Essay said that he had, quote, never seen a woman like her before, end quote. When he would sit next to Renee, he would draw sketches of her because he didn't want her catching him staring at her in class. The two of them initially developed a friendship that started out with Renee visiting Assei's apartment to give him German lessons. Assei said that he had lied to Renee about the fact that their professor wanted him to record German poetry, so he reached out to Renee in order to see if she would be willing to help him on something like this. However, little did she know that this was all a part of one giant plan. Not suspecting anything wrong, Renee went over to Asayi's apartment on the night of June 11th, 1981 to help him with this German recording. Asayi said that he picked out the poetry for her to read, printed it out on his printer in his apartment, gave it to Renee, and while she was reading it, he went behind her so she couldn't see him, grabbed for his gun, continued talking to Renee like everything was normal, and then Asayi stood behind her, held up the gun, pulled the trigger, and shot Renee in the back of the neck, ultimately murdering her immediately. Issei said that after Renee was shot, she collapsed onto the desk and then fell completely over onto the ground with the chair that she was sitting in. This is when Issei placed a towel underneath her head to help stop the bleeding and then began to undress her. 
According to Assay, he said that he had an entire plan of how he was going to go about eating Renee. A direct quote from him is, quote, I wanted to eat her. That doesn't mean I wanted to kill her. But I came to the realization that in order to eat her, I had to kill her, end quote. After undressing Renee, Assay started from her backside on the right, saying that the reason he chose the right side instead of the left was because the left is where the heart is, which causes more blood flow, and Assay said he didn't like blood, which I find all too ironic. So he began on the right side of her backside and tried to bite into it. However, he said that this process ultimately really hurt his jaw. So he went into the kitchen and grabbed a butter knife and tried to cut through her that way. However, that didn't work either. This is when Assay went to the grocery store and bought a curved meat cutting knife, and this is what ultimately cut through Renee's skin. I'm going to give you guys a second to fast forward through this part if you don't like hearing really gruesome details, so if you just want to skip through a couple of seconds, you can do that now. Okay, so Assay said that when he began cutting through Renee, he had expected the quote red meat to show up right away. However, Assay described a quote yellow corn-like substance being the first layer that he had to cut through, which he later learned was fat. After figuring out how to cut through her body, Assay said he first cut off her thighs, which was his favorite part of the body and he put those in the fridge. He then took other parts of Renee and made a fried meal with her, and then proceeded to have sex with Renee's corpse. Once it was time to dismember her body for disposal purposes, Assay bit her nose so hard that he could hear her cartilage crunching, and after that, he then cut her tongue out of her mouth and watched himself chew it in the mirror. Now, when it came to disposing of Renee's body, Assay said that he prepared by purchasing two suitcases that he filled with the dismembered parts of Renee, and then he called a cab to take him and the suitcases to a lake nearby his home. The two suitcases that Assay had put Renee's dismembered body parts in were purchased just for the sake of Renee's body parts. This was something that he went out of his way to purchase in order to help him dispose of the body. Now, Assay arrived to the park where the lake was at at about 8 o'clock p.m. when the cab driver helped him lift the suitcases from the trunk of the car and Assay said that the suitcases were so heavy that the cab driver made a joke asking if Assay had dead bodies in the suitcase because of the weight of the bag, to which Assay responded that they were just his books for class. Now, once arriving to the lake, Assay realized that it was still light outside. Summer in Paris, it gets dark very, very late, so there were still people out around the park, sunbathing, sitting, relaxing, and with Assay not knowing what to do, he started walking around the park with these suitcases, looking for a proper place to dispose of them. And once he finally did, he pushed the bags down a slope into the lake and walked away. Now, right after he did this, Assay said that he had, quote, no energy left, end quote, and this resulted in him taking a minute to stop and look at the sunset that was happening on the lake. He said that he saw an old man with a child, and quote, for the first time, everything was in color, end quote, 
While he was distracted by the sunset, he said that he heard someone scream. Say looked behind him and saw a man unzipping the suitcases that he had just disposed of, and he had asked Say if they were his suitcases. Instinctively, Asai said that the suitcases weren't his, which resulted in the man fully opening the bag and finding bloody bed sheets and dismembered body parts. Before anything else could happen, Asai said he simply walked away from the scene unscathed and went back to his apartment. Once Asai returned back to his apartment, he ended up eating the remaining parts that he had saved of Renee that were in his fridge, and he continued to eat parts of her for the next four days until he was finally arrested. According to Asai, he said that when he was arrested, he felt a sense of relief, saying that he finally felt like he was going to be able to communicate with others again. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Do you ever fantasize about who you'd be if you lived somewhere different? Maybe you'd surf if you lived by the beach, or maybe if you lived in the city, you would live above a coffee shop and finally be able to write that novel you've always dreamed of. Or if you had a dishwasher, maybe you'd actually be able to start cooking and make a proper dinner at home. With over 1 million available units for rent on Apartments.com, the you abilities are endless. Apartments.com lets you narrow down exactly what you want and when you want it. And with their instant alert, you'll never miss out on seeing what could be your new perfect place. Apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place to live, whether that's an apartment, a townhome, or even a house, and they can help you find exactly what it is that you're looking for. Visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, you guys, welcome back. He was interrogated by three different psychiatrists in France who all concluded that Assay was mentally insane, therefore unfit to stand trial, which resulted in him being sent to a criminal psychiatric ward. Now, at first, Assay was being kept in France. However, the French public started to get really upset at this because he was basically being kept there at their expense. Their tax dollars were going towards helping a cannibal, and no one was willing to do that. So, after this, Assay was then deported back to Japan. And when Assay got to Japan, it was actually ruled that he wasn't mentally insane. However, he just had a personality disorder. So without undergoing any treatment at the psychiatric ward in Japan, he was forced to leave the hospital because they didn't think that he was qualified enough to be there. So they didn't think his mental state was as severe as it was first concluded to be. So because of that, they basically made him leave and he was literally just set free. So just like that, Asayu was a free man. He wasn't put in prison, no jail, no hospital, nothing. He was set free after brutally murdering, dismembering, and eating Renee. He got no punishment for this whatsoever. 
Now, once he was set free, Asayi realized that he had no job and no form of income, so he started writing books. By 2012, he had written about 20 books. One of his books was a novel called The Fog, which was a graphic novel that he had illustrated. Now, when this book was in the process of being made, Essays as well as Renee's family did not want him to publish the book. However, once it finally came out, it became a bestseller and really turned Essay into an infamous celebrity in France and Japan. Now, the reason that no one in Essay or Renee's family wanted this book to be published was for the fact that this book was basically a recreation of Renee's murder. It was a graphic novel. There were pictures. It was written. It was absolutely awful. I have not read it, but from what I have seen from other people saying, it was basically a recreation of Renee's murder. So that is why neither family wanted to say to publish this book. However, he ultimately did. Now in 1985, the crime scene photos from Renee's murder were leaked to the press and published by a popular French magazine, also drawing more infamous attention to the case. The reporter who leaked these pictures ended up getting arrested and more than 200,000 copies of the magazine were seized by law enforcement. Now, regardless of this person being arrested and documents and copies being seized, these pictures are still out there, which is just absolutely awful for Renee's family to have these pictures out to the public. You can find them and they are incredibly, incredibly disturbing and graphic. So the fact that they're out there and Renee's family could have the possibility of stumbling across them. The fact that they're out there in general is just so disrespectful. Now, as far as the books that Say would write, some were comic books and some were novels. I want to acknowledge too that it wasn't like Say was kept up in his apartment forever, never leaving and never socializing and was shunned off from the world. Say continued to go on and live a relatively normal life. He traveled the world and socialized with a bunch of women and after writing books, he went on to write restaurant reviews for a Japanese magazine, and he had also appeared on cooking shows where he was eating raw meat. He also dabbled in painting and sold a number of his paintings to the public. Many of his paintings were of nude women. In 1992, Asay ended up appearing in a low-budget porn movie about an underground club in Tokyo where women allow themselves to be drugged and subjected to sex. In this video or movie, someone starts killing and dismembering female members of the club, which results in this really weird mix of sex and violence. And then Asayi appears in the film pretending to eat women's body parts. Now, while all this is happening and while Asayi was capitalizing off of the fact that he was a murderer, his family was severely struggling from all of this. Issei's father was forced to quit his job and his mother tried to commit suicide. Along with that, his brother also developed health problems as well. As of 2019, Issei is living in the outskirts of Tokyo with a new name and apartment that was provided to him by the Japanese government. Now, when I heard that he was living with a new name and housing provided by the government, it 
it reminded me a lot of the James Bulger case that we had discussed a couple weeks ago, where James's murderers, who were 10 years old at the time, were given new identities by the government regardless of their horrific crimes. What struck me as odd in this situation was that Assay, after his murder, went on to write books, he appeared in films, he did interviews, he went on TV shows, and he socialized in the public all while keeping his original name. So what caused the switch from him to suddenly be granted an entire new identity when the public already knows what he looks like? Essay is currently 71 years old, so he has aged, but the idea to give him a whole new identity, one, when he was the one who committed an unspeakable act, and two, when he has already been going on with his life living with his identity after the murder doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but you guys can let me know what you think about that. Now let's talk about the why. Let's talk about the motive. And as always, there's none for any justifiable why. However, when it comes to what could have possibly started these cannibalistic tendencies, Essay told a British journalist during an interview that the compulsion for cannibalism came from a childhood dream he had. In this dream, Asayu was in a boiling pot with his brother, being prepared as a meal for someone else. From that point on, Asayu said he became fascinated with cannibalism, however switched the role from what was being consumed to the consumer. So those are the facts. That's really the facts of this case, and usually this is the part where I give my two cents and I give my opinion on things, but honestly, this one really leaves me speechless. I don't know how someone who admitted to committing one of the most gruesome, disturbing acts I've ever heard found a way to beat the system in such a way where he is a walking free man. I don't understand it. I don't understand how that is possible. I know logistically it has to do with the fact that the murder occurred in France and then going back to Japan, it's a different it's a different it's a different th deal over there. It doesn't run the same way. And the murder wasn't committed in Japan. And then when he went back to Japan, Japan chose a different route for him. However, how is it possible that the people in the hospital decided that letting him go was a good idea? I can't even imagine for Renee's family having to see all of the notoriety that Asayi got from the murder of their daughter. Pictures of her corpse, like I said, are everywhere across the internet. Her murderer is a free man who went on to write a graphic novel about her death along with 19 other books. He appeared on talk shows and TV shows. He even appeared on cooking shows eating raw meat and that is just absolutely shameful on whoever decided that that was a good idea because you were capitalizing on the fact that this man is a known cannibal. What I really don't understand is why from the day that he was caught was he just not put in prison for the rest of his life? If Japan ruled that he wasn't mentally unstable to sit trial, why not just send him to prison? I guess that's the part that really gets me. Because not only are you not sending him to prison, not only are you not putting him in a mental facility, you are letting this man go on to live a life of infamy, like a life that people know him. He, he's writing books. He's appearing on shows. It just doesn't make any sense. 
Just go back and listen to the part where I explained the details of the murder. To hear that and to hear that the person who committed that is now walking free, it, it, it's mind-blowing. Essay has come forward to the public and said in interviews that he doesn't feel the desire to eat people anymore. However, he has had thoughts of seeing women and thinking that they would taste good and he would like to see what they would taste like. However, he doesn't think he would actually go as far as committing a cannibalistic act again. He has also changed up the type of women that he finds attractive. He says that he is now more attracted to women who are Japanese. He's not really as attracted to white women anymore. It's more women of his own race. And I have seen sources that have also said that he is under the care of his brother as of now. Regardless of his new identity, he's living with his brother and his brother is taking care of him. Like I said, he's 71 years old, so he is aging. He's getting older. But this entire case blows my mind and I cannot wait to hear what you guys have to say about it and we will go over all your thoughts and theories and comments and everything tomorrow so let me know what you guys have to say about it you can email me at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com again that's just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com you guys can always email me there for again thoughts theories questions whatever but you can also email me there for requests of cases that you have i'm always checking that email when i feel like i'm looking for a different case or looking for case that you guys specifically want i always check that email so you can make sure that you go and write me on there and with that being said you guys that is really it for today's case thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of killer instinct if you're new here hi my name is savannah again i am your host of killer instinct just as another reminder make sure you go ahead and subscribe to the podcast we post weekly episodes every single wednesday and you are not gonna want to miss it so with that being said you guys i will be back next week with an all new episode. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay cautious, stay healthy in today's world, and I will see you guys next week. Have a good one.